Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. I'm Brian No in for JMV. Please welcome in Kristen Neri, TV voice of the Pacers on Bally Sports, Indiana. So I... Uh, Will tonight get us completely away from the all-star fiasco on Sunday, Chris? Can we finally put that to bed after watching actual basketball tonight? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's the start of the really the final third of the season. A lot of people say the second half of the season, but there's only 26 games left. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I take the all-star game for what it is. It's an all-star game. Would I like to see it more competitive? Yes, I would. Uh, but but I still thought overall it was a really great weekend for the city. Um, you know, a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, it was cool to see what Tyrese did early in that all-star game, hitting his first five threes. Uh, so all in all, you know, I, I take from it what it is. I still thought it was a great weekend, but uh, anxious to get back to games that really matter. Yeah, no, I hear you. It gets me thinking of, you know, Jalen Brown of the Celtics. He mentioned something during All-Star Weekend about this threshold of getting to 65 games where you're eligible for basically after the season awards, and that's tied to money, tied to your contract. Halliburton has talked about that, and he thinks the the threshold is stupid. Jalen Brown suggested maybe you, you whittle it down from 65 to 58 so you can make those all NBA teams and be in line for that big money. What do you think about all of that? Well, I mean, I don't disagree with what the league was trying to do, what Joe Dumars and and Adam Silver, you know, from a load management arresting standpoint. To me, it's a lot different from, you know, missing games to rest than, you know, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton missed games because he was injured. He had a hamstring issue. Um, You know, he's a guy that wants to play each and every night. Um, and oftentimes organizations have to step in to protect the player from himself because that player will want to go out and play, but maybe the best interest based on an injury is that you don't. So I I think it'll be all evaluated at the end of the year. Um, You're right, it it does come down to uh, all NBA opportunities, which oftentimes is linked to contracts. So it's a little bit of a slippery slope, but... You know, I'm a big fan of Adam Silver and all that he's done in the NBA. I think he's the best commissioner in sports. And, uh, you know, I I think at the end of the year, they'll look at all the data. They'll look at all the information. Uh, The NBA is not afraid to make changes when necessary. We'll just have to wait and see how the season plays out. I hear you. What's your best guess? Do you think they keep the threshold? Do you think they lower it maybe a little bit? I don't don't see them lowering it. I mean, I I think – I, I think it, you've got to take in context the injury situation. And, you know, somebody that is legitimately injured and missing time, that's different than somebody, you know, taking rest days. So I don't know how you evaluate that. Uh, there are people that will make those decisions that are far smarter about that than, than I am. But I, but I do appreciate the intent, and I think it's made for a better product on the floor. I think the in-season tournament 
you know, a lot of people weren't sure about that. I, I thought it was excellent. So I just think, like in everything else, you evaluate uh, what has gone on, and then you try to make the best decisions after that. Yeah. Chris Denary, TV voice of the Pacers from Bally Sports Indiana, joins us here on The Fan. So how about Ben Matherin against Jaden Ivey, right? We get that. I love them going toe-to-toe in the Rising Stars stuff. What do you think we might see tonight? Well, I mean, Ben, I'm, it'll be interesting to see with Aaron Neesmith out what Rick Carlisle opts to do as far as the starting lineup is concerned. Uh, you know, Benedict over the last two years has been as good a sixth man, if you will, as there's been in the NBA. I mean, both these guys have averaged 20 points per game against the other or against the other team uh, this year in the previous two games. And what we saw in the uh, uh, in the Rising Stars Challenge, I mean, that's Benedict Matherin to a T. He has great respect for Jaden Ivey, but at the same time, he wants to prove his point. And so I, I think that'll be a little bit of a subset within the game tonight as far as what fans will be seeing at Gamebridge Fieldhouse or watching on Valley Sports. But the overarching uh, thing is for the Pacers to get off to a good start. It's the first of a four-game homestand. Uh, they're holding on to sixth in the Eastern Conference, which is the final playoff spot, staying out of the play-in uh, tournament. But you have Miami and Orlando that are just behind you. So that'll definitely be something to watch. These are two young competitors uh, that want to get the best of each other. But the most important thing for the Pacers tonight, of course, is getting the win. Uh, which do you think is a – because I always – I think we do this as fans. We tend to look at who's ahead of us in the standings, you know, and that's the Sixers with Embiid being out. That's the Knicks, and they have their injury issues. But a half game behind the Pacers, you've got the Heat, the Orlando Magic lurking. Uh, do you think it's more likely that – the Pacers get to a top four seed or fall out of the top six, Chris? Well, I think it's going to be tough to get to the top four just with, uh, you know, the way that those teams are playing. Though uh, the Knicks with their injuries, you're right, they could fall. The important thing is, too, if you're looking at, at the Knicks and the 76ers, the good news is the Pacers won the season series with both of those teams. So any type of tie and a tiebreaker is necessary, that's in favor of the Pacers. If you look behind them, Orlando has already won two of the three meetings, so they have the tiebreaker with the Pacers. Miami and Indiana are, are locked up 1-1, and there's a game uh, toward the end of the season that could be very important as far as the tiebreaker is concerned. So, you know, where a lot of people look at the regular season and say, hey, it's 82 games you know, do all those games matter? Well, yes, they do, um, because they could play a part in in playoff seeding. So I, I think there's an opportunity for the Pacers to move up. You know, they've got to win games, no question. Uh, and and we'll just have to wait and see those injuries with Julius Randle, uh, the, the injury with Joel Embiid, just how much do they impact those teams and how much does it bring the Knicks and the Sixers back in the standings? Yeah, I look at these standings, man, and I can't help but think of potential playoff matchups. Um, if you look at who the Pacers might be matched up against, you're thinking in that realm of maybe the Cavs, maybe the Bucks, maybe the Knicks. Um, who would you least like to face out of those three if that's how it shakes out for the Pacers? 
Well, I think it'd be interesting. I think everybody across the NBA would like to see Pacers box, right, based on uh, what transpired in the regular season in the in the in-season tournament. Uh, you know, the Pacers won four of the five. That's still always been a difficult matchup uh, for the Pacers just based on uh, Giannis, but the Pacers played very well against the Bucks this year. Uh, have not seen Cleveland since very early in the year. The Pacers won the first two of the four regular season meetings, but this is a much different Cleveland team that's right now playing its best basketball. And we just saw the Knicks twice at Madison Square Garden. Uh, the Pacers split with them. So all of them have very interesting matchups. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people, just because the Pacers beat the Bucks four out of five, would like to see Pacers Bucks. But I'll tell you what, Giannis in the postseason is a whole different animal. So uh, I just think if you're Indiana, you want to get into the top six. You don't really care who you play. You just want to get back in the postseason, something they haven't done in a while. You know, maybe just put, like, wins and losses to the side, just the entertainment value. Would you argue there's more entertainment value with the Pacers Bucks playoff series because of Giannis and Damian Lillard? Like they have a star studded roster. But also, if you compare it to the Knicks, where it's the garden, it's of course Reggie Miller doing what he did there in eight seconds. Which do you think would be the more entertaining series for the Pacers facing the Bucks or facing the Knicks? Well, I think based on the history of you go back to the nineties and Pacers-Knicks was, you know, you could almost count on that each and every year at some point in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And, you know, you go back, really, the last time the Knicks were really good was back, uh, it was 2012-2013 with Carmelo Anthony, and the Pacers and the Knicks battled in the second round of the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs, and the Pacers won that in six. That's the very memorable Game 6 block of Roy Hibbert at the rim of Carmelo Anthony, and then uh, the Pacers avoided having to go back to Madison Square Garden. So I think for a lot of people, as far as historical thoughts, they'd love to see Pacers-Knicks again uh, restarting a rivalry in 2024. Yeah, I hear you on that. He's Chris Denary joining us here on The Fan. How about this? Your biggest concern for the Pacers this last third of the season Put defense to the side. What would it be for you beyond defense? Well, I think, you know, part of defense is rebounding. It's a subset, and, and I would say that's that's got to be better. At times it's been good, but I think for the last five games they've been out-rebounded by double figures. Now the irony in that is they've won two of those games. I mean, that's that's not been something that has been a total Achilles heel I think they've won 11 or 12 games this year when they've been out-rebounded. So they find other ways to win. I think getting back out in transition, Brian, will, will be important. Uh, part of that is you know, they, they were, they're still the highest-scoring team in the NBA at about 125 points per game, but their fast-break numbers have really dropped off. Now, part of that was they played 10 or 11 games without Tyrese Halliburton when he was battling that hamstring injury. So – I would like to see the Pacers get back out in transition. That's when they're most effective. Uh, They're very good at advancing the basketball. So if they can build those numbers back, it makes them very difficult to beat. Where do you think this team is, Chris, where you think about the changes where you get Siakam, no more Buddy Heald, Halliburton's been banged up. Those are three monstrous things right there. Where do you think the team is 
just in terms of reps together, chemistry together as we look at the final stretch here? Well, for instance, uh, the other day on on, uh, Tuesday, uh, Doug McDermott, that was the first time he had had an official practice with his new teammates because when he joined the Pacers on the road, they didn't have any practices. They were having shoot-arounds and walkthroughs. Uh, so I think the last two get two days were important for this group to get back together, uh, have some some real practices other than walkthroughs and shoot arounds. You know they'll be down another man tonight. Uh, Aaron Neesmith is out with uh, the sprained ankle, but I think the best news came from that injury that he suffered in Toronto that it wasn't as serious as it looked. So I think if they can just get everybody healthy, and again everybody across the league is talking about that. Uh, there have been significant injuries, but I like their chances because this is as deep a roster, as deep a team in the NBA. They've got the highest scoring bench in the NBA. So I, I think that's something to watch um, as we move forward. I mean, you know, right before the All-Star break, Miles Turner was out with illness. Matherin was out with illness. Uh, Jalen Smith was out with uh, low back spasms. So if they can get this team healthy, I really like their chances. What would you say, I'm just curious, during All-Star Weekend, what was your personal highlight? What was your personal low light of any of the events or games? Uh, you know, I, I really I really like All-Star Saturday night just because there are so many different people involved. I, I thought Indianapolis did a great job with uh, having it at Lucas Oil Stadium that 30,000, 35,000 people could go. Uh, I thought there was a lot of energy uh, in the building. It was cool to see the Pacers group uh, do so well. Um, you, you know, Sabrina versus Steph I thought was great, and, and I'm sure will be something that will be uh, carried over in future All-Stars. Uh, you know, you'd like the game on, on Sunday to be a little bit more competitive, maybe a lot more competitive. Uh, but, but all in all, I think for having the All-Star uh, weekend and the All-Star festivities for the first time in 40 years, it was a big hit in downtown Indianapolis, and I would assume that uh, we won't have to wait that long again before we, uh, we see it uh, return. I, I was a part of the, the Thursday night tip-off celebration. I think they had five or 6,000 people outside. That's when the weather was good on Thursday night for the tip-off celebration. Uh, Larry Bird was there, Oscar Robertson, many of the former Pacers. So I, I just thought the celebration of basketball in our state uh, was really, really good. And, and so those were the highlights for me. Uh, who's the player that you get to be around where you're like, I don't know if you go sweaty palms or, you know, you feel like that at all, but you're kind of like, oh, my gosh, it's Dr. J or whatever. Is there a guy for you as far as that goes? I'm still the guy with Larry Bird. And, I mean, yeah. I, I, I worked with him, if you will, when he was the president of basketball operations for all those years. And I just would remember I, I'd get in an elevator with him and I didn't know what to say. <laughs> um, you know, he just – and he's the nicest guy. I mean, the other day he was back in the green room and, and Larry gets up, you know, if he's sitting, he gets up to stand whenever anybody approaches him to shake their hand. And he got up to stand for me. I said, Larry, you don't need to stand up for me at all. Uh, but uh, I just I just look at what he accomplished um, in his career and what he meant for the state of Indiana, what he did as the coach of the Pacers, uh, how he brought – uh, the Pacers back uh, as the president of basketball operations, uh, getting into the Eastern Conference Finals those two years in 13-14. Yeah, I'd have to say 
I, I still have to pinch myself and say, hey, I'm talking to Larry Bird. Yeah, I hear you on that. Before you go, how was the break for you? Give me something non-basketball-wise. The more random, the better in terms of your hobbies, just leisure time. Well, what did you do during the break? Well, I, I, I'll say this. The, the best part about it is getting to spend one-on-one time with my two-year-old grandson. Uh, my wife headed down to South Carolina, as I usually do. We have a, our oldest son, his wife, and we have a grandson who's seven months old down in South Carolina. So they just bought a new house. So my wife went down. She's still down there. Uh, she's down there about a period of 10 days to take care of the seven-month-old, but also to help him out. And so it gave me the opportunity, in fact, yesterday, last Friday, uh, it was just me and my grandson. Uh, I, was, I was the sitter. I had him all day. We played. He took a nap. I fed him. Uh, I mean, we had a great time. And then yesterday, uh, we had a chance to go visit his great-grandmother, my mom, uh, who is uh, up in Carmel. And so that was a that was a great a great day for me, uh, just to take him and and have him visit his great grandmother. So that that is in a nutshell what uh, was really the most important thing for me over the last week or so. Very awesome, man. No, I'm I'm glad you uh, shared that with us. Very cool. Well, hey, Chris, good to visit with you, man. Enjoy the call tonight, and I hope you have a final third of the season. All right, thanks, Brian. Thank you. There he is, Chris Denary, TV voice of the Pacers on Valley Sports Indiana. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I'm Brian No, And for JMV, it's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Please welcome in Mike Chappell, CBS4, Fox 59. You know, Chap, um, I'm just curious where you stand. We're giving away some Santana tickets today. Where do you oh, stand yeah. on Santana? Are you a fan? Yeah, it's funny. Oh, yeah, uh, Abraxas. Uh, back in the day when I was in high school, they had that. And uh, our, our student council, this is Beach Grove, they thought the Abraxas album cover was pornographic because it had some cosmic girl and all this stuff. But, you know, yeah, I could, I'm not, I can't sit there for five hours and listen to Santana, but gosh, for an hour, there's some really good stuff. Man, it's amazing what caused waves back then and how much it's different now, right? I'm oh, thinking yeah. about Elvis's hip thrusts or whatever. Like that's yep. that's like, dude, it's yep. just Tuesday night. What was the big deal now, right? It's so different. Oh, it's, it, and it's generational. And, and you know, if anybody ever would see what, what what my playlist is in my cars, I drive around and say, "What's this crap?" You know, with the Bob Seegers and Mellencamp and Brian Adams and all that stuff. And then you get in the mid-80s on, and I don't relate to any of that stuff. So it's just depends on how long you've been walking the earth, what uh, w- what your viewpoint is. You know, I thought you were going to go left turn on me and say, but I have given Pantera a try lately. And I got to say, no. you know, Mouth for War, pretty good song. I thought you were going to go there, Chap. Not so much? Not so much. No. no. I, yeah. I, I, yeah I, see, it, it, again, I... 
I'm a routine guy, and you get outside my Beatles and and Bob Seger and and Billy Joel and all that, and you know it's, maybe some some I like Linda Ronstadt and all that, but. I'm really a, I'm that guy that get off my lawn and all that stuff. So, but I'm, I, I can deal with it. So either if you don't want to deal with it, then just leave me alone. Hey, I hear you, man. Totally fair. Uh, so as far as the Colts go, I mean, is there, we'll get to Michael Pittman Jr. And that whole thing. What beyond Pittman Jr. is at the top of your list in terms of what you're focusing on, what you're most interested in? Yeah, it's, it's funny. We were that's kind of what uh, we did our podcast today with on CBS and Fox Fifty Nine with uh, Matt Adams and Dave Griffiths, and we were talking. And you know, the first thing you do is you want to resign your own, and we can get to Pittman, but it's they've got other guys. I mean, Kenny Moore, uh, Grover Stewart, uh, uh, Claude Lewis, uh, yeah, Minshew, and, and Rigoberto Sanchez. I mean, that, that's one that I don't know. That, that's one that should just be done. Okay, give him three years and ten million because a top punter is getting about three million, and and it's such a, it's such low hanging fruit. But just get it done, and there's no reason to to do anything until the middle of March, March thirteenth. But they've got three or four guys that I I think are certainly worth bringing back. Uh, Julian Blackman. Uh, and and then Pittman and the thing that when we talked to Chris Ballard in in January and we all knew this but when you've got who you believe is your quarterback of the future on a rookie contract it just gives you the word he used was flexibility you can do things instead of your quarterback counting 24 30 million or whatever uh, he counts you know very very little and he will for the first four years so you know take care of business while you can. So they're going to have cap space, which you can always create cap space, but you're going to have, you know, some cash to, to get things done. Even, even dealing somehow with Michael Pitt, when you've got, you've got the wherewithal to, to bring these guys back. And if you don't bring back uh, uh, Kenny Moore, if you don't bring back Grover or Tyquan Lewis, then you've got to replace them and to get similar talent in, on the free agent market, you're going to pay more than what you're going to pay probably to retain your guys. And yes, with the draft, you can do some things and you will do some things, but that's seven picks. And, you know, the the deeper in the draft you get, the less or the more risk there is that that, that, that guy will be able to, to be what you need to be. So the important thing is they've, they've got they've got the flexibility to do several uh, personnel moves, uh, whatever areas you want to deal with, corner, uh, uh, receiver, tight end, safety, whatever. Uh, and, and a lot of that will get done. You know, we'll get going on the draft where everybody does their mock drafts and all this stuff. But but the free agency and reaching your own sort of lets you know what you've got to do uh, draft-wise because ideally you're going to take up – you're going to address some of those concerns in re-signing your own and free agency. Outside of Pittman Jr., who do you think is the next player that's most important for the Colts to re-sign? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, probably, probably Kenny Moore, and then Julian Blackman. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not including Rigo because it's it's not it's not going to take a whole lot to, to to give him a good market contract for punters. Uh, 
you know, in Taekwon Lewis, I guess. I don't think he'll cost you an arm and a leg. Uh, but that's kind of where I am. The Minshew is going to be interesting to see what they do. They're, they're going to. We, we saw the importance of having a backup quarterback who who can can handle short term or last year's case long term, you know, playing time. And they they would not have done what they did last year, record wise, without Gardner Minshew. I mean, I he he had has and had limitations. You know, I, the one thing I've always said is they got to they got to where they were with you know within fourth and two of maybe winning the AFC South because of him, and then they didn't finish it in part because of him, and he threw the crappy pass and. Tyler Goodson didn't make a tough catch, but they, 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 if you don't bring Minshew back, then who? There's a couple of interesting guys out there, Tyrod Taylor maybe, uh, but I, I think they will. If not Minshew, they will bring somebody in that that you're not going to have to go through your, you know, your history of quarterbacks to see who it is. It's going to be a guy that you recognize, and maybe Minshew comes back, or maybe what he did last year increases his value. I don't know. But those like three three guys I mentioned in free agency and then uh, on their own, and and then either Minshew or a backup quarterback. Those to me are, are the main ones in, in in free agency, and and they will add uh, I don't know defensive lineman, a linebacker, a receiver. I, even with Pittman, I think they need another receiver. So whether that's in free agency or the draft, I don't know. But uh, they'll be they'll be busy not throwing major dollars at free agents, but they'll be busy bringing in people. You know, one of the guys, one of the best values last year was, was Samson Ekubon. I mean, my goodness, he, he, he was a really good player mm-hmm. and relatively, you know, affordable. So it'll be interesting to see how they reshape parts of this roster. Uh, looking forward to the draft. There's a lot of time until it rolls around, but I'm hearing a lot more about Brock Bowers, obviously a stud tight end at Georgia, but uh, are you open to that idea or are you thinking, man, I, I don't know. There's another area of need to address at corner or wherever else more so than Brock Bowers. Where do you stand on that possibility? Oh, I remember what Dallas Clark did for this team yeah. back in the two thousands. And I mean, I'm not saying you're going to bring in a guy that's going to have a hundred catches and a thousand yards like, like Dallas did one year, but I'm all about, uh, doing as much as it takes to increase and strengthen Anthony Richardson's supporting cast. That's why I say of even, even with Pittman and I, I, I'll be beyond shocked if he's not here next year, either, you know, the tag or a long-term deal, you still need another receiver. Well, and you need, you still need more from the, from the tight end room. It was, it was sort of lukewarm. You had guys hurt, guys suspended, uh, and, and you know they never got consistency out of that position. And gosh, look at look at some of the better teams in, in you know the, like the Final Four, and with the George Kittles and Travis Kelseys and Mark Andrews and Laporta, those guys are, have so much value and can do so much when you've got a creative head coach slash coordinator. Uh, so I I wouldn't be opposed. Uh, I I think that's going to be a you know, and that's, we were talking to Matt Miller of ESPN on Tuesday, I think it was, and he said he sort of got Bowers going in that 13, 14, 15 range mm-hmm. uh, because he had, which is to me great news. And if you could go by Matt Miller's 
projections, he's got five quarterbacks going in the top 13. Well, that's great for the Colts because all that does is push people down to him. So, you know, do, will they see more value in a corner, uh, the third or fourth receiver? There'll be a lot of talk next week about Marvin, you know, Marvin Jr. They won't sniff him. I mean, he'll be gone in the top four probably. But there's this is another great receiver class. Uh, they've already got two young receivers. I would prefer getting a veteran receiver. You've already got, you know, Josh Downs was a rookie and Alec Pierce is a, was a second-year guy. I, I would prefer to have a a veteran guy in the room to add with Pittman, but we'll see how they do it. So, but again, at 15, and, and if quarterbacks as a run on quarterbacks, you're going to have you're going to have a pretty good player there. Whether it's and again, Matt Miller had uh, the Colts taking uh, defensive end from Florida State, uh, Jared Verse. Mm. Uh, so I, I think they'll have a lot of good options. And, and, and what people are saying is maybe at 15, you take the best player. And yeah. if it's a tight end, you take him. If it's a corner, you take him, a receiver. So they're in a good position. And, of course, knowing Chris Bowder, he'll trade back and you know <laughs> and make us all wait. But uh, it'll be a really interesting day, day or two in the draft. I really believe that. He's Mike Chappell, CBS4 and Fox 59, joining us here on The Fan. I was looking at this with, um, it stood out to me. So, Anthony Richardson, he only threw 84 passes last season. But if you look at Jordan Love, the Packers quarterback, before this season, he only had 83 pass attempts in his three years. Um, You look at the college numbers – Jordan Love threw over 1,100 passes. Anthony Richardson didn't even reach 400. So Jordan Love had more experience. He was in in Green Bay for a couple of years. The whole question becomes, when you look at what Jordan Love did last season, not a lot of passing attempts in the NFL, it just gets me thinking, where is the ceiling for Anthony Richardson? I know it's a bit unfair right now because we don't even know who his teammates are going to be. But relatively speaking, what do you think – the ceiling could be for Anthony Richardson coming off an injured rookie season. Oh, very high. I really do. And, and, and until he proves otherwise, the big issue is going to be, you know, can he stay on the field? Because he had three, I guess, significant injuries. Uh, two, and then the knee that wouldn't have kept him out at any time, but with the shoulder and the concussion. I mean, and, and we can sit here, and if you watch, if you watch the game, you can rationalize what happened. You know, the concussion, he, hit, he, he eased up and then he got whacked and he hit his head on the ground, on the turf. And the shoulder injury was just a, just a, he fell wrong. He just, and the guy fell on him. So, but, but until he, he plays 16, 17 games for a couple of years, I'm not saying Peyton Manning who started 208 straight games, but you've got to stay on the field. But boy, the small sample size we saw, you just have to think, yeah, this guy, this guy can do it. Yes, as a runner, the idea of him and Jonathan Taylor together is really, really intriguing what they could do. And, you know, and I can't agree with Chris Bowden where he said what, what surprised the, the Colts is how well he threw the ball and worked in the pocket. And he's only played 19 games, including college. And this year, if you look at it, he only played three games. He started four, he played three because he missed a half of two, uh, of two games. But you have to be in, in, encouraged, uh, optimistic. But, again, it's such a small – you know, again, four starts. That's just so hard to, to say, yeah, I, I really, really know because with this – no, you, you just – you hope. Yeah. Uh, that's why I say I think it's really important to make sure that 
you, you, you strengthen the supporting cast as much as you can. And we, we've seen other places back in the day with, with, with uh, David Carr in Houston. I mean, they, they just wrecked his career. And it didn't go well for Bryce Young th- this past year. So it's so important. to It's hard enough on a rookie quarterback or a, or a young quarterback. And then to, to handicap him with not a running game and, and an, an offensive line that's getting the quarterback beaten on and receivers that can't do it. So do as much as you can without compromising other areas too much. But, boy, give that quarterback a, a, a chance. You know, Peyton came in here, and they weren't very good. But, boy, he had Marvin. He had Marshall Falk. He had Marcus Pollard. He had two really good tackles. He had a good offensive line. And and I'm not saying that's where Richards is going to go, but we saw what happened when Peyton – and they kept – you know, the, the, the early picks with Pullian in the 2000s, it was, it was offense. It was Edger and, 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 you know, and then Reggie and Dallas Clark and even Anthony Gonzalez and Joe Adai. So if you're going to – if everything's going to focus around your quarterback, then give him every chance, certainly early in his career, to where his, his cap number is not $40 or $50 million. So I, I, I think they will understand it. These, these are smart guys. And we saw what Shane Sykin could do. I'm still just really impressed how – with that offense last year where you've got the backup quarterback and all the deficiencies or, or not strengths, but they were tied for 10th in scoring, which is really, really impressive. Well, what happens when you get the quarterback back and then you've got a, a better receiver room and maybe you bring in a tight end and, and, oh, by the way, then Jonathan Taylor plays, you know, 14, 15 games. So, uh, but it's, it's gotta be about the, it's gotta be about the offense and making sure you've got us, good a cast around him as possible because it's hard enough without that. So make it as easy as possible on the young quarterback who's, again, still got a lot of learning to do. It gets me thinking about other teams in the Colts division, Mike, is especially you look at the Texans. They've got about $65 million in cap space. Yep. And C.J. Stroud's the offensive rookie of the year. Do you think the Texans make a, a big splash or two in free agency? I was reading stuff from John McClain, who's who's uh, covered those the Texans forever. He doesn't think so. He thinks it'll be more they'll, they'll be similar to how the Colts do it. They'll sign a handful of guys, but it won't be the the, the big splashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's, it's really kind of funny because right now Houston is the is the flavor about what they did with this young team to get the offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year, and D'Amico Ryan's and and they're right. And I like the way they're building things. And, and what we can't forget, and I don't want to be a Colts homer, but the Colts had a fourth and two. And, you know, who knows what happens. They convert that. And then maybe within two plays, they win the AFC South, not Houston, with all the things that went wrong, you know, with, with injuries and their quarterback. So, but I do like the way Houston is built. When you've got the quarterback and you've got a young pass rusher and you've got, such good now that they need they need help in the running game before they've got receivers uh so yeah i like what they're doing down there jacksonville who knows i mean i i thought they were really set and then they went in the tank over the last two months but i like the afc south with the young quarterbacks tennessee's you know gosh what, what are they doing they're they're in major rebuild mode but i like where the colts are and i really like where the texans are i really do yeah, yeah, Mike Chappell joining us here, CBS 4 and Fox 59. 
I think we've uh, given the Heisman pose long enough to the Pittman Jr. talk, you know? How do you think it unfolds? Most people are anticipating he gets tagged. Do you expect them to come to an agreement with a long-term deal before the season starts? I hope they do. Uh, because if you don't, if you tag him, then we're having the same discussion next year. And the, the tag next year will be 20% higher than it is this year. The tag this year is $20.7 million, and next year it will be, I don't know, $23 because you, you got to give him 20% more. Uh, and, and he's – Again, whenever we talk to Chris Ballard, he makes it very clear that Michael Pittman's the kind of guy he likes to have around for all the reasons on the field, off the field, and all that. And he's 26, and so I, it makes sense if it's if if they're within reason to work a long-term deal. Now, you know, both sides have to be reasonable, and you know, it, 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 at least a franchise tag for the most part tells you he'll be here this year. Again, people need to remember with the franchise tag, he can still go out and get an offer for somebody. He can he can talk to thirty one teams as long as it's not the exclusive franchise tag and and whether a team is gonna sign him to four years, a hundred million dollars, and then be willing to give up two first round draft picks. And if some team did that, would Ballard take two first round draft picks? Hmm. Uh probably, I guess. Although you know, let's say Kansas City does it, and the two first-round draft picks are well. This year it's 32, and next year it's going to be you know a, a low pick. So, do you want that? Probably, I guess. But if you don't bring Pittman back, you got to you've got to replace him, and you're going to pay out the nose on the open market for for a replacement, whether that's a T. Higgins if he's available or whatever. So, it's just it just makes more sense. Uh, to, to, to sign this guy long term, if if again, and I've got to believe they've had decent talks, and I really believe as we sit here that the Colts the Colts know sort they know that we we can get this done, or we're so far apart that I don't know how we're going to get it done. But but you know deadlines spur action. There are no deadlines right now. The deadline for a long-term deal would be, I don't know, what is it, mid, mid-July. Uh, I hope to get a long-term deal done just for a lot of reasons. And it, it gives it, it gives them direction moving forward. And it gives Pittman long-term financial security, which is what every player wants. And, again, if, you, if, you do, if he plays under the franchise tag, you're here again next year. And, and, and it, that's just not the best way of going with a young player like this. I had to get your opinion. Last one for you, Mike, and I appreciate your time. I've been kicking this around. It's the 44th year anniversary of the Miracle on Ice. And right before the show, I started thinking, what's the most well-known, the most famous sporting event that I've watched in my lifetime? So if you ask yourself that and put the Miracle on Ice to the side, what do you think off the top of your head it might be? For me? For you. Oh, the Super Bowl in South my you know, in South Florida with Prince. That's I mean I I, I would just well either that or the the, the 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 two weeks before with the AFC Championship game. I, the, the most important game in my mind in in Andy Colts history mm-hmm. was beating Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game. But as far as the best event I've covered, the most important event was the. the you know the Super Bowl with because it you finally got it done. You know you're, you're 
I, we're sitting there in the in, in the press box, and it, it looks like it's kind of a misty rain. Well, my wife and my family are out in the stands. She said, "No, it was raining. It was you know <laughs> it, it was coming up pretty good." But and then to have and then to have Prince do his his purple rain in the rain and one of the great stories they they told was like before the game they're getting you know they're they're doing their their pregame the, the Prince and the people are are going through things and. They said, "Hey, man, it's raining," and is he, and they said, "Are you concerned?" He said, "Well, can you make it rain harder?" Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's just a cool thing, and and the event and the week and what it meant for the city and the team and the Ursays. I that that's number one, and, and and other people probably have other things, but that's when you get to a Super Bowl and then and then the team wins it and you're covering that team. That's really pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks for sharing that, Mike. Good catching up with you, bud. I hope you have a great evening and uh, catch you down the road for sure. You guys be well. Thanks. All right, thank you. There he is, Mike Chappell, CBS4, Fox 59.